to the back end. He scores! Simply sensational! You're listening to the Jobs and Cheddar Podcast. Welcome to episode six of the Jobs and Cheddar Podcast. I'm Jonah Joven. With me as always is Jordan Chesky. Chad, how you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Worked all day, enjoying a couple of dad sodas, and uh, we're going to have a nice uh, conversation about some hockey right now. Couple father sodas. Absolutely. What, what, uh, you're having a, what are you, a Coors Light? Not a Labatt Blue tonight, which is surprising. No, I did. I mean, this is what we had in the fridge, Coors Light. We kind of call them, uh, spring waters over here in Buffalo, but. That's, oh, that's what they are, uh, worldwide. Keeping it, keeping it light, you know, watching the figure a little bit, but, uh, you know, still, still, still tasty. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're golfing quite a bit. I don't think you need to watch the figure too much, right? Well, the golf, golf keeps you limber, but it doesn't really shred the, the poundage. That's, that's for sure. That's, that's true. I mean, you're just, well, just a, muscly man i don't know i don't know what to say about that <laughs> other than that um anyway so yeah been a while uh, for all the listeners out there we've uh chad and i have been trying to get a time to do this podcast for i think i think about a week now it's been a little while and uh we have a lot to catch up on but uh, you know we're both both busy guys just uh working hard in the summer i don't know work, chad, yeah, work, just, working hard staying active you know enjoying the in the social wonders of the world getting so. after it a little bit sometimes Absol- you know it's fine absolutely so uh, yeah it's been a little tough for us to to make some time we'll be back to the you know the old once a week kind of thing going pretty soon but yeah we're trying to get that going again we're on itunes now so hopefully that you know keeps to pick uh, continues to pick up and uh yeah i think interviews is the big thing we're trying to uh we're not gonna we're not gonna say anyone yet don't want to jinx anything but we're working on some pretty big interviews for the summer right cheddar yeah some some might you know say they're a little bit of a lofty goal but i uh that's I why think, you want to I pursue think- it Exactly. That's exactly. That is exactly it. I like the uh, the Herb Brooks the Herb Herb Brooks reference there. But yeah, I think we'll be able to get these interviews. If not, we'll find we'll find some other ones. But yeah, I should have some interviews coming up and uh, change the change the pace of this a little bit. Perfect. And just you know, for all the listeners, that's this is why I pretty much I do the podcast with Chad. The fact that he picked up that reference just flawlessly. That's. That pretty much is why why I do this. Why I get up and do this, and why I do this every day. Yeah, I feel like we uh, I feel like we quote miracle. I'd say to be realistic, every fourth or fifth encounter with each other there's some miracle action in there oh i think that's i think that's a little that's highball and i'd say it's probably every like two to three when we're when we're in person i think it just amplifies yeah, but i believe that yeah that, that, that anyways, might be more well you know listeners we've uh, starved them long enough we got a lot to cover today so we're just gonna hop right into it uh so it's obviously we said it's been a little while here uh so going you know back a couple weeks now the washington capitals are the 2018 stanley cup champions chad i don't want to say I completely told you so because I wasn't calling them the whole playoff, but you are—you were on a hate train for Washington, and they just—they just shoved it. They just told you where to stick it. I feel you like. know what's uh, what's weird about this whole situation is even when they were about to win it, like and it was sealed, you know, the deal was pretty much sealed. I was like, oh man, I can't believe they won. I'm not really happy that they won, but now like seeing them all celebrating and you know all the stuff I said about Ov, like. I never said he was bad or anything, but just the stuff you know. You go, you know my opinion on him. Well, I don't know if you said he was great either. Yeah, I yeah. I, I've always said he's a little, a little overrated, but he went out and played it. Had an unbelievable playoffs. The Capitals had an unbelievable playoffs. So hats off to them. Um, I don't know if Ovi has put the cup down yet. Now, I don't think so. Now, no, now maybe. So. But um, actually, it's funny. I was listening to uh, some sports talk radio here in Buffalo, and Craig Reve, an ex Buffalo Sabre, was in the NHL for a long time. Knew some uh, players on the Washington Capitals, and I think it was uh, Brooks Orpic and who else was? It might have been Backstrom. Had to go. This was from a pretty reliable source. You know, like I said, sports radio. They literally had to go up to him before the parade and were like, "Listen, Ovi, 
you know, you got to cool it a little bit. Like, we're all having a good time and everything. You got to cool it a little bit. You got to let other people touch the puck or touch the cup and, you know, bask in some of the glory with us all because it's not just a one-man show. So they actually kind of had to, like, sit down and talk to him and be like, hey, listen. No, no, uh, no, right. I mean, it's funny because that's actually was my only knock. Like, I heard, you know, like, I'll I'll just tell you right now. Like, there was a big, there's a big Toronto call, sports columnist, Damian Cox. He's covered the Leafs for years. This guy like ripped the Capitals. Oh, what a what a like, classless celebration, guy! You know how hard it is to win the Stanley Cup. I can't even imagine the things I would do with that thing if I won. I don't even want to get into it. Like on a, this is a family friendly podcast. <laughs> like so, I don't think it's I, like I don't. I love all of it, but I will say that the only knock I had about it is, you know, it is. It's a team win, and everyone wins. Like I, I don't know. It's funny. Uh, if I don't know if you heard this specifically. Depends, I guess, on the broadcast. But the Canadian broadcast when they won uh, in, in Vegas in Game Five. Uh, a reporter asked TJ Oshie specifically. He goes, like, you know, how how much have you guys rallied around Ovi, and how much has he bought? Like, how much, you know, kind of just asking about Ovechkin. And his Oshie's immediate response, uh, not in like a negative way, but he just kind of said he was, oh, like we all want this so much. It was like I think that some people, like, yes, Ovechkin's waited a long time, and he's waited like a lot, but it is. It's such a team first trophy, and it's funny because. It's almost like he let all of like the selfishness out after they won because he was, you know, he played a great team player kind of playoff and he led by example. He's become a great leader. That cup came and it was uh, it was just his for a long time. And and I think the thing is like the guy I feel probably the worst for is everyone's oh he's waited so long the whole talk about so long. Nick Backstrom has been there for a season less and he's the most underrated player in the NHL yeah. in my opinion. And then it's like, is he, is he going to get touched the cup? Doesn't get invited to the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. It's Holt being Ovechkin. Like, Nick Baxter just playing through fractures in his fingers. This guy, yeah, unsung hero. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, he might have been a little salty. But, yeah, he's definitely fired up that they won the cup and everything. But um, then did you happen to see uh, Ovechkin throw out the first pitch at the uh, the Nationals game? He, he threw it. Oh, this, man. This dude was on such know, a high horse. He threw, a, he threw one, you know, wasn't wasn't the best. He asked for another attempt. He gets a second one. And then to top it all off, the Ovi. Being you know the humble guy he is throws the the C on his on his baseball jersey. <laughs> yeah, so a couple things. I'm glad you brought the whole the whole Nationals uh, debacle is what I guess I'll call it. A uh, couple things. So one, the first pitch, not as bad as like Snoop Dogg and Fifty Cent's attempts over oh the years. Oh my god! But that, but I mean those are horrific. But Ovechkin's was just like. I just I would call it just one of the most beer infused first pitches I've ever seen. Like that guy was loaded. The plate to him, you could tell he was drunk. I was just hammered because he threw so far over the plate. He like, but in his in his eyes, his beer goggles, that's where the plate was, and he just absolutely muffed it. You know, like don't get me wrong, it's not like he had like unbelievable fundamentals with the pitch. Um, <laughs> no, but he, I de- mean. he definitely didn't. But the European, like. I've seen some Europeans try to. Th- they're all they're all foot sports over there. You know they play different sports than we do over here. Yeah, he, man, his, it was pretty his, bad his, though. It was no terrible aim and everything. I thought he was gonna go up there throwing like you know kind of throwing like a girl. Not not the worst, not the worst, but just the overall ending of the pitch was no. It wasn't the overall it wasn't American the rapper was bad. bad. It wasn't it wasn't that bad, but it was it was pretty tough. So there's that that happened. The C on the jersey. I don't even really want to get into. I was just like, man, that's so unnecessary. Everyone knows you're the captain. I don't know why that happened. Yeah. There's two little things that, uh, or I guess the one was kind of talked about in the media, but not as much. But there's two small things that happened that I just have to say, like, have to be covered in this podcast. Number one is when uh, they're getting interviewed in the in uh, one of the like Nationals boxes. Ovechkin again getting interviewed at the cup. Tom Wilson, man rocket Tom Wilson, <laughs> comes in just loaded and comes in and just goes, starts saying, "We are the champions," in this low, monotone, horrible voice. 
hilarious though. And they all just start sitting in the middle of the interview. And this interview, they kind of pan to the 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 interviewer, and he just is like, "All right, like thanks," and just leaves. The other part that was, I think, the highlight of the game is when Ovechkin goes and he walks up to the edge of the box and he lifts the cup up in the middle of the play. No one knows. There's no camera on him. There's no, and now, please st- like, please direct your attention to Alexander Ovechkin. He just did it to do it. I don't know if you've seen that photo. He's just, stand- he's just standing there at the top, like right at the tip of the box, standing there, cup in the air, middle, like, like Steven Strasburg oh, is throwing a pitch. No, I- and he's just... No, yeah, I saw that, and I think people were making jokes like, "Oh, I don't know if he knows the rules. Oh, was, I don't know if he knows the ridiculous. rules of the game. Like, no one's going to be looking at him at that point or something like that." Too but, funny. Yeah, I've seen Too that. Too funny. I've seen that. But but that that was amazing. That was just amazing. Yeah, I've uh, like I've said, I've hated on Ovechkin for previous podcasts, and we ripped on him a little bit here. But no, he definitely he definitely played his uh, his butt off, and he deserved it. Which kind of well, he earned it. He earned it. I also kind of had a problem with people always saying I want Ovechkin to win because he deserved. To win it, like he's always deserved to win this cup. Which, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, okay, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I feel. Like, it's not like he was going out there some hard worker, some selfless player. Like, yeah, phenomenal goal scorer. Whatever I say that all the time, but he didn't necessarily deserve it. But don't get me wrong. This year he went out and earned it. He played unbelievable. Um, yeah, he he deserved it. Listen, at the end of the day, it's only been a couple of like the last couple of seasons where he truly like you talk about the blood, sweat, and tears, like the extra gear you have to go to in the cup. That's only happened with him the last couple of seasons. I mean, like, and it's funny because right after the year, the week after they won the cup, um, Elliot Friedman, again, my favorite, you know, hockey writer out there, uh, writes his, you know, his uh, weekly or bi or like every couple weeks, thirty one thoughts. Um, they do a podcast now, but he writes like this big article. And one thing he noted about Ovechkin was, I believe it was in twenty fourteen. I want to say it could have even been as recent as twenty fifteen. Uh, there was a play. They were it was late in the season in Dallas. The Capitals were playing. And Ovechkin just completely gave up on a back check, and Dallas ended up scoring. And the the rumor and the reports that have kind of seeped out the last, like in sort of the wake of the Washington Capitals win, is senior players in the team and just absolutely berated Ovechkin for that, and pretty much said like, "You're the captain of this team. You can't play with that lackadaisical effort. You can't play with that like little amount of heart and expect to like win in this league." He got braided, and the exact quote from some source from the Capitals was he was so like stunned and like you know sad from like what he had done, but what was said to him that quote unquote he forgot how to speak English. Like he was just silent, had nothing to say, just sat there and took it. So I think you look at that might have, I think that might have even only been like two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and you I, I think that people who say there's a lot of writers who wrote about oh Ovechkin needs to change. He needs to change his style of play. And there was a lot of Capitals fans and Capitals fans that said, no, he doesn't. How dare you? But it was kind of a, like a mesh in the middle. Yeah. He didn't completely change how he played, but he definitely changed elements of his game to become a guy who I think became way less one-dimensional. Yes, yeah, so that's that's a good way to put it. He met in the middle. Like, you don't really – you shouldn't really be changing your game, especially when he's had the success that he's had. Well, you know, personal success that he's had and everything. You shouldn't necessarily change your complete game. It's just more so maybe like an – an effort, an effort thing, or fine tuning small parts of his game, and I think that's what he did over the last couple of years, and I think that's why he won the cup. And you know, this this playoffs, he just let all the frustration out. You know, that he's been building up, building up, building up. Ovi oh, can't win. Ovi oh, can't win. He let it all out this year, and he was, yeah, great, great playoffs for, yeah. for Ovechkin. Agreed. And you know, the thing that I that I always find great about the NHL playoffs because I just you know, and I I'm a big sports fan in general. I watch a lot of sports, uh, a lot of other sports as well. Pardon me. And, 
you know, one thing that I love about hockey like, the most is you hear a lot about every year the team that wins the cup. Most years you hear this, they were a team of destiny this year. And now that doesn't happen in other sports. But the frequency at which teams of destiny seem to pop up in the NHL and every, on a year-by-year basis to me it, it is wild. Um, and the thing that, like, you know, you look at Washington, you think, oh, like, you know, they slayed the, the, the Dragon in Pittsburgh. Uh, they were down, you know, in the... Tampa series, they're down. They're actually only the second team in history to be down in all four series and win the cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, let's. I think people and some people have mentioned it, some haven't. But you look at they're down 2 0 going into Columbus in the first round. They go game three goes to double overtime where Columbus hits a clean crossbar. Like they're an inch away from going out 3 nothing. We're not talking about them, we're talking about someone else winning the cup. And the whole, so the whole story changes. Ovech oh, can't get it done. All yada yada yada. Are they trading them this year? All this kind of stuff. And I just think one thing that's neat about and I think this. I think the fast pace, every like the fast pace, um, the intensity, the bounces of hockey lend itself so well to stuff like that. Where it's like when you think about that, and it's kind of hard to think about, but one inch separates like can really change the guys' entire careers. Yeah, because essentially if they go down three. Oh, like let's be real here. They're not. They're done. They're, they're done. They're done. So essentially, one inch. Even though it was so early in the playoffs, definitely you know had a major major influence on not only the Capitals but you know the entire NHL playoffs. So just one inch. Yeah. So and and for me like that's something that I just think I mean it can happen in other sports. I'm not trying to like say it doesn't. But one thing I wanted to talk about because we haven't spoken about this and uh, just kind of segueing a little bit into the first probably first and last time because I don't like basketball. But um, I was actually like I was in traveling. I was in Montreal, uh, Quebec during uh, the game four of the NBA Finals. We were, happened to be in a restaurant where the game was on. I have never seen a less intense championship-winning game in the history of my life. You look at Game 5 when the Capitals won, and you compare it to Game 4 when the Warriors swept the Cavs. They had four, or I believe it might have been five, like full subs, full bench guys on for the end of the game. Oh, yeah. It was just they, it's such, ridiculous. They just gave up. They just gave up. I can't believe. It's just... No, no, I'm saying though the Cavs did too because LeBron went up. But no, no, the Warriors like that's how like that's how up they were like oh, oh yeah that's just, okay that's what you're up. saying that's what you're saying. So I know LeBron came out pretty early than he was expected to, and then like yeah, basketball's a whole another uh, whole another topic. Unbelievable, but that, that, just a joke. I, I kind of almost I I got a little bit of false hope watching that. Well, I watched like the first two games. I was like, okay, we obviously know who's gonna win, and it's I would have bet my life on a sweep. So I um. Yeah, I kind of get excited for the NBA Finals every year, but now it's just absolutely getting ridiculous. Man, it's absolutely, just, and this this was the icing on the cake of how crappy I think the NBA is. Oh man, I, I totally agree. I, I think the thing that it just shows you is it shows you what happens when a league, in my opinion, has no has no parity, no competitiveness. Like you look at teams like the Houston Rockets, who are a good basketball team, have talked. With, their GM has openly said our entire like. Uh, basketball plan every offseason is to build a team that will beat the Golden State Warriors. That's not good for the sport. If your entire Horrible. league is trying to beat one team, Horrible. one team, it's ridiculous. And that's why I think people who go, oh, Vegas make it, it's ter- terrible the game. You're a, you're a moron. No, oh, I hate I hate that. And then you comp- like you look at those are complete opposites. Like, no, it's not. It's great for the game. It shows how com- this is the most competitive. I would argue this might be is probably the most competitive like big pro league in the world because you look at all the soccer. Like there's two main teams. Like there's there's Barcelona and Real Madrid. Like you know there's a couple more teams in English Premier League. There's like Bayern Munich in Germany. There's like a couple Bayern Munich. There's like a couple big teams. And you same with the NBA. Same with the MLB in a lot of ways. Like with just because they can spend so much. The NHL might be the I think is the most competitive pro league in the world at this point. 
right now. That's good because yeah, I would say it's more competitive than the NFL. Like as well as 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 much as I like the NFL and everything, it's even more competitive that definitely in the NBA, MLB. We made some good points about that. I never really thought about the soccer um, aspect of it, but yeah, I think you're right because those would probably be the five major sports in the world. So. Um, yeah, I would. That's a very good point. I never even thought of it too much, and I would say that's very, very true. Just wild. But uh, anyways, so we'll segue back in here. I, I could. Uh, I don't want to talk about basketball anymore. That was too long already. Um, so segue back into the Capitals. Love the celebration. I agree. I, you know, it's funny. I hadn't heard that story about Backstrom and or be like, oh, you got to share the cup, man. The thing that like that was hilarious. Then we'll, we'll move on from their celebrations. But there's a night. There's a picture that he's in bed with the Stanley Cup. This guy's wife is like six months pregnant. Was she on the couch? Did did the cup boot the pregnant wife? That is, like that is wild. <laughs> I know maybe cup takes precedent over that. I guess I guess we don't know. I guess the cup. I mean, I ho- I would hope that this like they were both they're all in there together. Yeah, and maybe I, like, you I, gotta I hope, hope just, that he made space. I hope we just pose for the uh, maybe just like all right, honey, you can get out of this picture for just you know a minute or two, get out of bed for a minute or two, and I think maybe he just did it just for the picture, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. But I mean, you know, I think, yeah, it's crazy, but it, it's good, and it's uh, it's fun to see them really ripping it up. Because it's funny, I was listening to another uh, a podcast uh, and like radio show in Canada, TSN Overdrive, and um, Jamie McLennan, who's an ex uh, former like uh, backup, like you know, career backup goal in the NHL. He was talking about on a podcast, I listen to quite frequently, how you know, like this celebration. He goes, "You guys don't understand that." This is just seen as a really big celebration for the cup because it's it's in the social media era. He goes, the reason that Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup, has a job is because in the 1980s, with the when the Islanders and the Oilers won all those cups, he goes they, when they did when there wasn't a keeper of the cup, they took that thing that to places that it shouldn't be, and in situations that it shouldn't have been in, and stuff happened in and around it that shouldn't have happened. That's actually and, that's actually awesome. I would love to be able to hear some stories about because I yeah I like, kind of always just yeah. I kind of always just assume that there always was a keeper you know a keeper of the cup, but like. No, that's the, and that's what McLennan was saying. So McLennan played with uh, a couple of old veteran guys. Um, some other guys, like he played with Grant Fuhr um, in Grant Fuhr, end of Grant Fuhr's career and the start of Jamie McLennan's career. Yeah. And they were talking, and he was talking about that. And and I think he even mentioned an old Islander who had a story. I forget who it was now. The name eludes me. But there was an old New York Islander in the early '80s that said one night they were like somewhere they were somewhere like I forget like he doesn't remember where they were at a party. Uh, with the Stanley Cup, he woke up in Hawaii. That's it. That's all the guy knows. And then the cup was like in the hotel room. In Hawaii? Yeah. But they were like in East, they were like not, I don't know if they were in New York or they, but they were in the Eastern US and just boom, Hawaii. And he doesn't remember any of it. Doesn't How long there. of a flight is that? Like 15 hours? Like, I don't know. It would have been a, probably a couple, probably a couple connectors, probably a couple layovers. This guy's just probably walked going right off one plane into the into the bar at the next airport and just keep talk ripping. about a legendary blackout holy crap yeah so i mean you know my point is that i think that so much is hyped up in this you know social media age it's happened the whole time it's always happened it's such a hard trophy to win it's like the ultimate i think it's the most jealous i feel every year every single year is i'm not an overly like envious person i think that you know, i gotta be yourself and all that good stuff but man when you see you guys lift that cup and the emotion it's it's hard not to want to be that I got, every one of those guys. It was, it was tough for me to watch even before the playoffs even started. I watched this like I, – I'm, I'm serious about this too. I was like laying in bed one night and there was like an NHL playoff like pump-up video. Like, you know, one of those mm-hmm. one of those kind of videos. And I, Those are great. I was like 
I had to turn it off halfway through because I'm like, as amazing as this is, and as amazing as the NHL playoffs are, like, I'm never going to do that. So I was like, little little rat. I t- definitely took it away too, a little too far. I took it too much to heart. But did you cry? No, no or tears, just- no tears. But I was like, damn, I'm never going to be able to experience such an adrenaline rush, like such a such a like, just an unbelievable, probably 110 percent focus at every minute of every day. Just that's all they're thinking about every single day for the entire journey, mm-hmm. um, which right. which makes the the cup so special to win. Um, but yeah, I had to turn off the freaking the vi- the video because I was feeling so jealous. Man, it, it, it is wild to see. I think you just, you know, it's so hard to win. I think there's a lot. I mean, every, every you know, championship is hard to win. There's a lot of extra, you know, games of whatever sport you play. But just the physicality, the grind, like seven game, like four, seven game uh, rounds, just ev- everything about it to me makes winning the cup so, so difficult. But then, you know, in, in return, so special. Um, and we could talk about that forever, but anyways, let's dive a little more into the Capitals and what has happened since the Cup has been awarded. So the big news right now, uh, there's a couple things we can get into, but is uh, Barry Trotz uh, resigning as head coach. Uh, the report that everyone thought he was a free agent this entire year, uh, which he was in a sense, but there actually was a clause in his contract which stated that if he won the Stanley Cup, he automatically was re-upped for two more years with a $300,000 increase in pay. Now, Barry Trotz this past season made $1.5 million, and now winning the Stanley Cup only making... Yeah, which is low, very, which is very low, especially since Mike Babcock and Joel Quenville re-upped the last couple of years and have set the standard. Even Julian, coach- they make like five, six million, all three of those guys. Claude Julian coaches the worst team in the NHL, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, they're an absolute dumpster fire right now. Well, I mean, Ottawa's pretty much right there with them competing. But both those teams, in my opinion, like, don't have much, like, nothing going on right now. He makes $5 million. Barry Trotz was the Stanley Cup, and he was just going to make 1.8. Uh, I'll let you get into this. I just want to make one open statement. The fact, um, barring there, there's one rumor that Trotz apparently had an idea that he might want to take a full year off, regardless of what happened with this season. And then if you know if the Caps said we can't go with a new coach for a year and bring you back, barring that being the case, the fact that this these guys could not could not agree to his term and his money is a joke. This guy delivers you a cup and you guys don't meet him somewhere. Joke, absolute joke, and I am. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, going off that, even the three hundred thousand dollars raise isn't even that much. I mean, obviously. Well, that I, see, obviously, so that 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 was already added in. Like that wasn't pre like that was pre negotiated. I think in his original contract, that wasn't now. Okay, when did the, when did the, uh, that contract start? Was so essentially what happened was it started now. It was a clause in his original contract when he got to Washington four years ago. Okay, okay, he that, won the cup, that was my question. Like, he got a two-year extension and three hundred thousand added to his pay. But because of what's happened since Trotz originally signed that contract, now that's he still grossly would be would have been grossly underpaid at one point eight million as a Stanley Cup winning coach. Oh yeah, because my my more question was more so like I just kind of forgot when or how long exactly he was in um, Washington. But yeah, even a three hundred thousand dollar race for winning a Stanley Cup I guess to us you know just regular guys like it's obviously huge but oh it's I mean yeah it's all relative it's great money but it's yeah in the in the coaching world that's like kind of like peanuts like that's not that's not much and then for him to be making under two million when there's I think I think right now and like as active coaches I think he's like fourth in wins or something like that plus he just delivers a Stanley Cup to a team that was snake bitten I guess you could say um, well, well, man, and you, and you know the truth of the matter is too. I mean, you just have bad contracts that all like bad previous contracts from other coaches that add to it. I'll give you a prime example, which you I don't know if you know this or not. Dan Bylsma is still under contract by the Buffalo Sabers, getting paid three point five million dollars a year. 
And he's not even the coach there. I didn't okay, I didn't even know that. And the Sabres are absolute garbage and he's making three point five million to not coach. And the Stanley Cup winning coach is gonna make one point one point eight. Come on. And how can you not give him like a I wonder what they like how the negotiation went. I wonder what they I, were I at think, least trying to offer. Like, how do you let how do you let him how do you let him go? How do you I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can just let your Stanley Cup winning coach go, especially not just any Stanley. It's not like he got lucky or anything like that. Like, this is a good coach. He's been proven. He's been in the league for a long time. Like, I don't know how you just let this guy leave the organization, especially after a few yeah, years I mean, now. It's like, come on. I agree. I, re- I read today briefly that apparently they, they couldn't agree on term, but I mean, you know, like the guy wants security in a longer term deal for his family. Like, give it to him. He just won you a cup. I think what this says is the Washington Capitol said, we've got our cup. We're good now for quite a while because we just won it. The drought's over. We're not looking to repeat. I got And that's another big thing. My other question to you that stems off of that is, based on this celebration and what we know is going to continue, the Russians haven't even gotten to Russia yet. And that's going to be... You talked about... I don't... I, I mean, uh, maybe this is a hot take, but I bet you one of the big Russians, Orlov, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, maybe only two out of the three come back to training camp. One of them might just get lost there. They might, like, they're going to be boozing all year. Like, they're going to be living yeah. this up all summer. Like, when they come back, they might, they might be overweight. They might be slow. They might not have skated much. So, like, that was my question is how, like, do we think the Capitals are making the playoffs next year? I, I would say right now, if you had to be- ask me today, I'd say no. I think yes. I, I don't think they do anything special. No, I think they I mean, don't get me wrong. They could very easily have a very good season and everything. But I could also, on the same, you know, other end, like I could see them having a very – I'd say they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make a – have like a, a mediocre season maybe, just squeak in and maybe like, you know, just like a weak run or something like that. I could I could definitely, definitely see that. Uh, man, I mean, I think like if these guys party, like I think they're going to party this, this summer – I think you could see Ovechkin coming in, not at Dustin Bufflin weight, but you could see Ovi coming in Ovi? at two thirty. No, Ovi is two thirty. I don't know if you knew. Like, okay, I, you could see him coming in. Okay, so we'll say two fifty. You could see just because Netsov has like one hand, like something happened in, <laughs> with like a, a tiger trick gone wrong at a cup party. I don't know what's gonna happen. Putin might just take the cup. Like, it, it's gonna be unbelievable. Like, I I think they. Dude, they everyone's like, oh, they're gonna win nine games. No, like, but they, I would easily see them finishing like ninth in the Eastern Conference. I could see that happening. The only thing that I think with Trotz leaving is the coach is not their assistant coach is gonna be hungry to like make sure to show people that he can win with this team too. Yeah. So that could save them. But I, I mean, I would not bet that they're gonna make it next year. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. It's definitely not. Like, I, I would never. I'm definitely saying no to a repeat. I don't, I don't think they'll make the cup. No I, chance. Yeah. I no. I don't think so. I don't know if they can play with that much fire, like they did. I don't think they can. Well, after I, they already and, won. And, it. and I think. Yeah, and I think the bigger thing is too, and that's why we talk this. Like Stanley Cup handles are a real thing. It's a, it's a shorter off season, and the thing is this: if you go all that way and you win, I almost feel that it's like you know you don't you get less rest. Plus, you're not going like if you win the cup, you're not training the next couple weeks. Like you know what I mean? I'd say the next month you're probably still. Like basking in the fact that you've won it, which is obviously going to cut into your training time. And yeah, you could still go on runs, but I think that's why it's so hard to repeat. And that's why I think Pittsburgh was so impressive the last couple of years winning two in a row. I mean, that's huge kudos to them. That's that's a franchise, and we'll get into them more with the whole John Tavares thing later. But you know, that shows that's why I think repeating is so hard because such a long season, such a grind, and then you have a shortened summer, man, too. That's so tough. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree with all that. That's wild. Um, and the last question out of Washington before we move on to some other uh, exciting topics here is 
Uh, do you think John Carlson resigns there, uh, or do you think he's? Just, do you think it's more of I've won my cup here. I'm going to cash. I'm just because he's going to get paid. But do you think he's going to go and find get a max contract somewhere? Um, yeah, I, he's going to make a lot of money. I don't know how Washington is um, with contracts. You know, cap space. All that. Well, they'd, they'd essentially have to probably let Smith Pelly walk, maybe Tom Wilson walk, and probably move someone. Like they'd have to do some. Some, doesn't like you know, Orpic, doesn't some Orpic make a lot of money, and isn't he due to like uh, Orpic? I think man, if Orpic retired, they like that would be a huge help. But I don't, I don't know if he's ready to do that. I think and he I'm makes. Not, a like, lot. They're going to ask a guy to do that. Yeah, because I think he makes a ton of money. Um, yeah, I think he might make four point one, or he might make like four or five, and he's like at this point, he's overpaid based on his role. Yeah, how much do you think? Carl, I think Carlson can make 10, 10 mil. No, I think Carlson's going to make uh, just based on defensemen because I think that defensemen typically like, top centermen are the ones who set those ten million dollar contracts. I think I think Carlson could make eight and a half or not like nine if we're being very generous. I think that mainly, and I'm saying that because Oliver Ekman Larson just signed eight years. I believe it's eight and a half million. Oh yeah, the um, eight eight in in Phoenix eight by. Eight and a half, I think that, and you look at like those are two pretty com- like comparable guys, defensive units. Um, now Carlson also led the entire like fence, like all defensemen and points this year. Got snubbed for the Norris, and I think just said, okay, well screw you guys, I'm gonna win a cup instead. Um, so yeah, I think he could get nine somewhere. I could see that happening because um, I think he's he's shown that he's a pretty elite talent. Absolutely. Um, I think he'll get closer to, to you know Ekman Larson. Like he won't. I don't think he'll go anywhere for less than. Eight, unless he stays in Washington and offers them like a hometown discount. Um, but the thing that's interesting is they've said that Vegas they think might make a, a real push for him. No, yeah, you make a good point with with you know the amount of money he he could be making as far as defensemen go. Um, yeah, I guess it depends on cap room for the Capitals, and then also what kind of. I'm assuming he wants a, a long term deal. So if they only offer him two, four years, or whatever, he might want some sort of like six, eight year, probably like an eight year deal or something like that, making a lot of money and. Finding a city to get comfortable in, but um, oh, I I think Carlson will sign for long term money for sure. I, f- I forget exactly how old he is. I want to say he might be 28, 27 or twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So like this is like kind of a great cash out deal. Twenty seven to thirty five ish, twenty seven to thirty four, make a boatload of money, and then shut her down or play a couple more seasons as a sixth defenseman. And good night, Jim Kite retired at thirty seven. So. I mean, gosh, what a life! Thirty-seven years old. You're like, I'm done. Sixty million in the bank. No, no worries. It's an unbelievable uh, NHL career. Having a lot of fun, a lot of memories. But yeah, yeah, it must be. Gosh, we got to we got to stop talking. We're just gonna be. This is gonna become a crime yeah, podcast. Yeah, must be tough. But, must uh, be tough for these guys. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Like I, I've heard, like Vegas might pursue them, which would be pretty interesting considering they just beat them out in the playoffs or uh, in the final. Obviously, um, I've heard you know a couple other teams bouncing around. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Very interesting to see. But uh, I think that he's he's expressed his interest to stay in Washington. But he even said he goes, you know, I want to stay. I want to stay. I love it here. But I know there's a lot of other things um, at play here. Yeah, because he's definitely he's worth a ton. He's obviously proved that he's worth a ton of money. So he should definitely go and go and make his money. Yeah, agreed. I thought he was uh, he was excellent. So I think you know the thing is is like that's where people talk about like how are the Caps going to do. If he, they lose him, that that's it. Like I mean, he is their best defenseman. So if he's gone, I mean, you're going to have to reset anyways. They still have a good core of D. Like I thought that Kempney guy really stepped up and played well uh, from Chicago. They they got for a third round pick and he ended up playing with Carlson some. So you know uh, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting. But I, I do you think he's staying or leaving? I think he's leaving. Oh, you think you think I mean yeah I could see him I could definitely see him leaving um is where what I think is gonna happen I 
I guess I'm more so just open to anything, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see either situation happening more so if obviously it just depends on you know how much they want him and how much they want to commit to him long term i think it just more so depends on uh you know how long they want to offer the deal agreed um and then to wrap up the uh the uh whole thing with uh, the caps and again congratulations to them for winning the one thing i wanted to ask about barry trotz kind of segue into other uh you know other points here in the podcast is there's one coaching vacancy right now it's in new york uh, with the Islanders, I, I, I think he's got to be their top candidate. But my question is, do you see any team in the NHL seeing Barry Trotz, the free agent, and going, you know, we could upgrade a coach here, like letting their coach go, their current coach go, and to, to go after Barry Trotz? Or or I, sh- I should say, like, not to, like, talking to Barry Trotz, saying, we'll fire this guy if you're going to come in right now. Like, not obviously doing it before it's he's shaking the hand and said he's coming. But what are your thoughts on that? I think it would kind of depend on what team. I think it's got to be a team that is like, you know, maybe on the on the bubble. Um, I don't think he, I don't think. Okay, let me re, let me rephrase that. I don't think he was going to want to go to a bad team or a team that he's going to have to build. I think he's going to want to go to a team that already has the pieces or at least is just looking for that extra um, bit of expertise, that extra um, you know guidance to get him over the hump. Um, I'm not even sure who's the coach in maybe like maybe a team like Colorado. I don't know who the coach is there. Um, Jared Bednar, but yeah, but he he was nominated for Coach of the Year this yeah, year, yeah, so yeah, I no, feel like okay. they're pretty happy with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I listen. I I don't personally. I think that Lamorello is going to make a big pitch and he's going to end up in New York. I'm just curious because I've heard rumblings like could other teams assess their coaches? Like, yeah, they obviously could, but yeah, I could definitely see him. Like I said, it's got to be a team that's going to want to. Um, that already has pieces. I don't think he's going to want to go to a bad team. I guess the Islanders could be a decent fit, but then, I mean, I don't feel like it's not like the biggest, oh, hey, here, come come coach the Islanders. Like, this would be great. Uh, it's kind of a hard sell, I think, but also then it depends on the money. Is our teams willing to pay? Because he, now he deserves, he deserves the, the, I feel like the top, uh, you know, some of the top pay in the league with other coaches. So I feel like it just depends on, the, you know, the money. Um, I don't think he's going to take a year off. I've heard the rumors like that too. Um but I mean, I guess he does. No, I, th- I think winning this changes everything. I think you want to, like, for your family itself, like, they obviously make, these guys make good money, but no, like, no coach makes, like, you know, 12 million. Like, I think it's also from a family perspective, you want to secure things for your family. You want to cash in. And, like, there's no better time for Barry Trotz to cash in than coming off the Stanley Cup winning season. I actually, and maybe we can, like, look this up at some point. Like, you know, Pete, maybe you can add this in post and we can look this up. But I don't know if a, as a coach, has this ever happened? Has a coach ever won the cup and then not? Like, besides retiring, because I think that's happened. Has a coach ever won the cup and then been like, on, like, then coached on another NHL team that next year? I don't know if that's happened. And that brings us back to our original point, how we started talking to him, like, how, how they let this guy go, you know, out of Washington. I don't understand that. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's ever happened before. And then you make a good point about the retirement and everything. Um, yeah, besides retirement, I don't think – I would probably say no. If I had to guess, I'd say no. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's happened, but – Hey, Peter here. Uh, there have actually been seven coaches since the expansion in 1967 to not return to their teams after winning a Stanley Cup. Um, Scotty Bowman did it twice, once in 1979 after he clashed with the uh, Canadian's executive vice president, and then again when he retired from the Red Wings in 2002. Um this one's bizarre. Mike Keenan did it in 1994 after winning the cup with the Rangers uh, when he failed to receive his bonus on time. Uh, he then signed a five-year deal with the Blues to be the head coach and general manager. 
the Rangers filed a lawsuit to try and declare that his contract with the Blues was invalid. Um, Commissioner Gary Bettman let Keenan stay with the Blues, but then he fined the St. Louis Blues organization $250,000 and suspended Keenan for 60 days. In 1991, Bob Johnson left the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, just a few months after winning the team's first cup uh, after he was diagnosed with brain cancer. In 1971, Al McNeil left the Canadians after they won the cup, saying he felt like there was extra pressure in the areas that involved him, and he didn't think staying in Montreal was a good future. Harry Sinden from the Boston Bruins left in 1971 after coaching the Bears to a cup to, this is crazy too, to take the position of assistant director of sales engineering at a company in New York. And he told reporters, what else can I do in hockey? I can earn twice what I was with my coaching salary. Uh, So I guess he had a better deal. Uh, And then in 1968, uh, Toblake retired from the Canadians after winning his eighth Stanley Cup in 13 seasons with the team. Uh, He said he felt like giving some of the players a change would benefit them, especially after having coached uh, a handful of them for 13 years in a row. So uh, there you go. Uh, Back to you guys. Anyways, um, all right. Well, anyways, are you good with Caps talk? Can we we move on here? Yeah, we can move on from from the Capitals here. Okay, we're just going to take a uh, quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. All right, so, uh, Cheddar, let's hop. Let's just go kind of the opposite. We just talked about the Caps for a while and, you know, how well they've done. Let's just talk about the current dumpster fire that is the Ottawa Senators. Because, man, I would not want to be within just miles of that organization right now. I am, man, that's tough. They got a lot going on. Um, Bad team. Um, Hoffman is, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, dumpster fire, I guess. It's it's hard to simplify it. Um, I didn't even know this. I was doing some research before this. Their vice. Um, general manager or whatever um, is going to be in court. He he abused, a, I think it was like a cab driver or something like that in Buffalo. Um, so he's going to be in court now too. So there's just another thing to add to the to the Ottawa Senators right there. Um, is Carlson going to come back? Um, obviously Hoffman and his fiance. Yeah, well, all, all that. Um, so yeah, right. Yeah, wild. Yeah, just absolutely very, very unexpected, and a lot of it's hitting them all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, it, it's crazy, and this is again shows like hockey is such is such an interesting game in the sense the the Ottawa Senators were one goal, one shot away from the Stanley Cup final two seasons ago. Now, right now, here's what's going on in Ottawa. Okay, so Monica Carrick, who is the fiance of Mike Hoffman, has been accused by Melinda Carlson, star defenseman Eric Carlson's wife, of uh, pretty much a smear campaign and hate hate speech, hateful comments, over a thousand of them reportedly, uh, from burner Twitter and Instagram accounts. Not only talking about Melinda Curry, as a, or Melinda Carlson, pardon me, as a person, Eric Carlson and someone taking out his legs to end his career, but also about their stillborn baby, who uh, was obviously stillborn and didn't make it, with, uh, which was this past March. So as terrible as both those things already are, she's also wishing death upon uh, Carlson's, uh, what is it, wife? Um yeah, yeah, the wife's also she's, being wished dead. Like, it's it's insane. This girl is just ruthless, and I guess you can... 
I don't want to just toss this word out there, but psychotic, I guess you can say. Like, I didn't, no, I, didn't listen, was, so I didn't know it was over 1,000. Like, reportedly, it's over 1,000. That is so unbelievable. Listen, I, that's, now, that's an obsession. That is a straight-up obsession at that point. So for, for good – now, to be good podcasters and podcast hosts here, this is a legend. None of this is proven yet. This is, no, like, this has been a, a pretty much a restraining order has been filed. It is yet to be confirmed. What she asked for, like an order of protection or something like that, correct? Yeah, it's an, it's called a peace bond in Canada, which is essentially like an order of protection slash a restraining order kind of thing. But yeah, so a couple things here. So now, in news today, Mike Hoffman was traded not once but twice this morning. Uh, he was traded, first of all, to the San Jose Sharks uh, for Mikel Bodker, and the Sharks then flipped him for a package of, uh, and they got some picture model, and they flipped him to Florida. Um, who Florida couldn't get him, I think, directly because GM Pierre Dorian of the Ottawa Senators has a kind of like an unwritten rule where he doesn't like to trade within teams in their division, doesn't want players to go to division rivals and stuff like that, which I can understand. Yeah, I read that. So that's why they got moved around. So I'm sure there'll be a little bit of bad blood there between San Jose and Ottawa for that flip. But I have to... There's a lot to unpack here. Um, let's start with the trade and then let's loop back around to the whole situation. But... One thing I don't understand, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong on this, but if I'm a GM in the NHL, I don't care if it's a flip. I don't care. Like, I mean, the flip's kind of okay, so it's more, I guess, but it's more on, like, Florida now. The fact that this court case and everything that's happened is not resolved. It's just, oh, he said, she said, like, this is what's happened. And then, you know, like, uh, Hoffman's like, no, we didn't do it. The fact that you traded for a guy who, this is, again, allegedly, allegedly, you, you traded for a guy today. That it is yet to be seen if he has a psychotic, great word by you earlier, fiance, that he may or may not know about these vicious attacks and is standing by her. If this comes out, that, it, that this this was happened and, and Hoffman knew or didn't know, whatever it may be, like his career could be done. The fact they traded for him before that court case was settled to me is unfathomable. I never would have done that. No, yeah, that makes a, yeah, that goes without being sad. I, that was shocking to begin with. Then let's just even look at the simple fact that this dude is still with this, still like yeah. She so jeopard- that's she, okay. She jeopardized. Okay, I guess this is you know a little off topic, but she jeopardizes this guy's. No, career. no, get into it. Just get into it. She jeopardizes this guy's career. Acts like a yeah. psycho. Absolutely, just obsessed with Carlson and, and his wife. Well, hey, we got to be. This is all. This is all alleged. We we hope okay, this is not. Okay. I mean. But yes, I think. Do you think? Well, let's just get it right into it. Do you think this is? Do you think she did this? Yeah, like you don't. Hundred percent, I think. Yeah, a hundred and ten percent, I think she did. Like this doesn't just come. Like you can't make this up. And then and then he gets well, this, and yes. then he gets dealt and everything too. Like they said they. Well, the bigger, in the Ottawa, bigger thing in is Ottawa, this. they said they wanted like the immediate, you know, and at least an attempt at an immediate fix of the problem. Um, they said culture is big there. Whatever they, I was reading reading up on it. So they they even believe that all this happened. I yeah, hundred and ten percent think that this is. I mean, maybe there's a couple things that need some fine tuning, but 110 percent the grand scheme of things, yeah, she was obsessed with with their relationship, whatever, um, yeah, and just tons of tons of hate their way. Because I, I I agree. I personally, if this woman, you know, okay, so I'm going to preface this one more time that I'm not going to do anything because it's just getting annoying. Alleged, all alleged, but if this is confirmed, I think she did it because a couple of reasons. The biggest reason is this. For I don't think Eric Carlson's a stupid guy. I don't think his wife is 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 a dumb person, and they've been going through a lot. They've they've lost a child. Carlson had a tough year. He's gone through like a lot of stuff with his ankle, all that uh, ankle surgery, all that kind of stuff. All a court case does is it is it brings a lot of drama and a lot of extra stress to your life. The only way, in my opinion, that this 
would have been brought to the point where it was brought to court, a restraining order has been filed, all that kind of stuff, they had to have known that it was this girl. Had to. They like they had to have a lot of proof. And I bet like and Carlson would have had to say to his wife, you have to be sure because if this happens, this is going to change the course of my career, this my teammates' career, all this kind of stuff. I read an article that apparently Hoffman heard about this a couple months ago because when this was all starting to build up, he talked to Carlson, he tried to reach out to him, nothing happened. That he saw him and they like talked walking out of the rink. And apparently all Eric Carlson said was, we know it was Monica. We know it was her. Like that was all that was said. So my thing is this. If you're going to go to the court with how with everything that's happened, I think that it's like they have to have pretty clear proof that it was her. I think that the other players' wives, I believe it was Andrew Hammond, former uh, senator, his wife, as well as Julie Turris. Again, Kyle Turris, another former senator, his wife. Both stepped up and came to the defense of Melinda Carlson and kind of said, one of them, I believe, Andrew Hammond's wife said, if only you guys knew how unsurprising this was. This is other wives and girlfriends who have interacted with Hoffman's fiance. I think this this is 100%. Like, I think this has happened. And I, and I just got to say, I just can't understand why a GM would trade for him. Like, every, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, he can get you 25, 30 goals. But man, like there's things that are bigger than hockey. And if this is if this comes out like full out that this girl did this, if Hoffman didn't know, it's either he stays with his fiance or he stays with his career because he doesn't have both. And if he knew, that guy is blackballed in the NHL. Bought out. Good night. Have fun in Russia. Have fun in the KHL. Oh, 100%. If he finds out where he knew, yeah. The, the, no chance. He's done. That guy's he's done. done. It's, he's, like, he's already going to have this hanging over his head and people are going to you know, lack trust in him as it is already. And this is before, you know, the court case is over and everything. Um, 100%. I feel like he could already technically be blackballed in the NHL. Like, every time he's in a way arenas, people are going to be yelling shit like that to him. Like, he's, he's yeah, this is, this is the fact that it came to the light that it, it already is at. Like, it, it's it's just horrible news for him. Um, and I guess, I guess we'll see how uh, how that relationship ends up between him and his uh, fiance. How, how it plays out, man. I just... I mean, it's funny because it's almost like you don't want to blow them, but at the same time, Florida's not exactly like a grade-A organization in the NHL. I'm not saying about the people. I don't know anyone there, but I'm just making the point that when you look at them, like like they're not a Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not a Toronto Maple Leafs. Like they're not a big, big market. I mean, like there's like 4,000 people at the rink. Like, you know what I mean? It's not a big market. It's like kind of a B-level organization, I'd say, in the NHL. I shouldn't, okay, I shouldn't say, like, obviously I don't know anything about the people. No, I, but from like I, it is. from a success <laughs> perspective, it's pretty B, B-roll. And so it's kind of like, man, and don't you think this ad just adds to it? Like acquiring a guy, like, with all this going on in the background after saying, like, oh, yeah, he's going to jail. Like, how is this guy going to go in? And this like, is this girl, like, I, like, the interesting part is, like, say it doesn't get resolved, whatever happens, and it starts next season, right? He keeps denying it. Is this girl just hopping in? Like, he's not going to games, is she? The girlfriend's not going to, I mean, there's no one in Florida, so you just, just adds, you have a whole section to herself. But It just adds to new distractions. I mean, not new, but it just adds distractions to the team. Like, well, hey, here's this new guy. Um, by the way, he comes with a ton of baggage. By the way, his uh, court case might still be going on when the season starts. Um, by the way, we might be talking about it before games and just, it just, just adds way too much. Yeah. And I mean, way, like you, way you too said much it perfectly. And it, it almost kind of makes sense that he ends up in a place like Florida. Cause like you said, they're not some big, you know, big market team. They're not some great team. Like, I guess maybe in a sense they are just trying to look at it like a business. It's like, Oh, this could be a valuable resource in terms of points, in terms of production. Um, I guess we'll put some money into this, into this resource and not really looking at anything else, which I think is unfortunate. I don't, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but. 
I think that maybe that's just kind of how they're looking at it. Yeah. Agreed. And I think it's even more surprising now that I'm thinking about it more and more is the GM in, in Florida is Dale Talon, who like longtime hockey guy, like GM of the Blackhawks, drafted Kane and Taves, built that team that became, you know, a strong contender. And, you know, the guys like, you know, three cups to the 2010 and just to kind of like see them like, you know, he goes to Florida and it's like, they don't acquire this guy. Like just, yeah, like you said, it was a purely business decision, but man, if this comes out, like you're going to have guys fighting him in the locker. Like, I mean, wives, it's it can, it's going to cause a huge rift. And the other thing is like, they're kind of on a team where like Florida has a lot of young talent for whatever they are off the ice. Like they have a lot of young talent and, but it's like, you know, like you're going to start to get guys. Like, who's going to want to go there. If there's a bunch of drama with this Hoffman guy, like, who, like they're just not going to get any better with like, I don't know. For me, I think it's an extremely short-sighted move to make this kind of trade before everything comes out. But we've we've said that enough. <coughs> um, this this if this is true, this girl's an absolute psycho. She's a scumbag. I mean, you, you got to go to a different level to make like to go after someone's unborn child. You are a horrible person. Yeah, it's a good, just so yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about this enough. I think it's time to time to move on from this. Brutal. Time to move it on because this is ridiculous. All right, uh, on to a bit lighter note. Um, so let's go into John Tavares here. Uh, you know, arguably one of the biggest free agents that could ever hit the market in, you know, in the last, last couple decades, I'd say, if not more, I mean, he's a generational talent. He's a great, he's a great player has, you know, made a lot of like something out of nothing in New York for a lot of years. They're getting better and they've got it better. They still have some holes. They don't have a goaltender right now. Um, reports are coming out that Lou Lamorello is making a pretty big push for him. Um, and that they're they're getting closer to him, maybe staying there. They got to get a goalie. I mean, if they get Barry Trotz and they trade for a goalie, yeah, okay, I could see him staying, and he knows the, that market. But what are your thoughts? Like, do you think he's going to stay? Do you think he tests for agency? What do you think about all that? He's definitely definitely going to test for agency. Um, I guess it, like kind of what you said. I guess it depends on if they bring in pieces to help him because you know he's a phenomenal hockey player, and it's it's kind of unfortunate. Like, it was well respected around the league, like. Team, people love him. I love watching him play. I like the guy. Um, it's just unfortunate that he's never really been awarded much. He's never hasn't really been awarded for his skill, for his 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 dedication to the team, and I mean he's been this he's been there for his whole career. Um, it's just unfortunate that they have. You know, it's almost kind of like what what people always say with the Ovi situation. We're like, oh, he never had help, never had help. But like, this is a this is a absolute prime example of, of something like that um i think he's gonna 110 percent chop it around um but if he ends up there i guess it would take it you know whoever they get for a coach or they got to bring in some pieces um another thing was would you think if, if trots ended up there that would help him help him stay there yeah 100 percent. i do i think that it would be a huge help i think that it's like hey this guy just won the cup but i think they're big thing is goaltending you need a goaltender we just saw you need goaltending to win it to win in this league um you do. You you app. You just need it. Um, so I think like they don't really have that guy right now. There's no like they're gonna have to get someone through trade. So it's it's tough. Um, as as a free agency, I don't know why he wouldn't test the market. I could see him doing a Steven Stamkos a couple years ago where he goes into free agency, but then he does end up returning to New York if they get the pieces. I think if you see Barry Trotz signed as the head coach of the New York Islanders in the next week, and then you see at the draft, then make a splash move trading some picks. The Islanders trading some picks. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, for that because I think they believe they have two first round picks. They have their own, and then they also have Calgary's from the Travis Hamonic deal. They may even have a third. But I know they have two. Um, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Have, so you know, 
yeah, so packaging those into like some like for a goalie or something like yeah, maybe that happens and then he he entices them to stay and then they become a pretty you know a team that could definitely do something. But I have to say something, Chad. If you'll indulge me for a second here, I have to go on a, just a touch of a rant Absolutely because good. if I if I hear one more like it's like all these things. Oh, where's he going? Oh, he's gonna probably meet you know like San Jose. Get it? L.A. I think I've heard like rumbling like a little bit of L.A. but not that much. But you know San Jose for sure. Toronto, yeah. Detroit, okay, kind of. If one more person talks about, oh, Montreal is a real competitor for him. Montreal <laughs> needs a top. Uh, no, Montreal needs a top center. I get that. Like, yeah, they have no one at center. They made another pointless trade this week. This guy has talked about he wants to leave the Islanders. The only way he's going to leave is if because he wants to win. There might not be a team. Ottawa and Montreal are competing, and I'm yeah, and I'm putting Buffalo above both these teams. So you're welcome. Those two are competing for the team that is the furthest away from the Stanley Cup. What a joke to think John Tavares, oh, he's going to go and play for the Montreal Canadiens. Low-key guy. He would never deal with the Montreal media. They are a horrific team on paper. Carey Price is the only bright spot. I don't know I don't know why he re-upped there for eight years. So I am tired. I don't want to hear anyone else talk about John Tavares going to the Montreal Canadiens because, oh, they'll pay him the most money. He's already said, like, I, and I've heard this over and over, he is more of a guy who would take a little less money to win. So no one come at me with, he's going to Montreal. No, he's not. They're garbage. That's it. Sorry, I, I uh, that out. No, 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 the rant was it was well needed. I think it had a little bit of a little bit of flavor to this podcast. But uh, no, you you, well, you said it all. I don't think if that would be an, let's put it this this way: if he were to end up there, that would be an absolute shocker. That would just like he. Wants, I just like don't said, know he wants, why he, he would ever go there that. to win. He wants to go there. He wants to go for somewhere to win. And yeah, I don't know the guy, but he seems like the kind of guy that would take a little bit of a pay cut if it means winning. And just Montreal, yeah, is so far from being even relevant. Like it's just it would be mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing if if he ended up there. I could see, I could see. I don't know if you heard about like I could see. I think he's meeting with five teams in LA this year or this uh, like upcoming week or something like that. I think I read that somewhere. He's five teams are meeting him there. Um, and I heard yeah, that like even yeah. like the Toronto Maple Leafs have some little like video like all aimed at Johnny Tavares. Like oh hey come here come here. Like they're literally gonna make, they're building this like you know well done video for him to make him you know. Little promotion video. Yeah, the Leafs Toronto. are building. Them, anyway, the Leafs are building them some video. Yeah, yeah. If I could definitely like, I think that would be to me. I think the Leafs. It, it would be you know, if, as long as they could pay him and everything, I could one hundred and ten percent see him going there. Which you know, for the Sabers, it's kind of crappy. But um, you know, a good young team. You're bringing like a veter- a proven veteran, like phenomenal player, just to add to all all the you know the firepower that they already have, uh, Babcock and everything. I could 110 percent see him ending up in Toronto. Yeah, and, and you know I, I could see that happening too. But man, like that's where I think you know you talk about like the rumor mill and truly the rumor mill in the NHL being just that a rumor mill. I've heard things as crazy as he would take a big pay cut, do a two or three year deal for less money, and then cash in a couple years and do the two or three year deal in Pittsburgh, which would be terrifying. Yeah, to think about that happening. Yeah, like I've heard rumblings of that, and then I hear like, "Oh, Montreal's making a push." Yeah, Montreal could give him twelve million, but it's Montreal. Like, why would like what would the pull be to there? In in any capacity, I don't understand that. So I think the Leafs have a have an okay shot. But the same thing about the Leafs is the Leafs are you know it's funny because growing up in Toronto, you hear like every time a big center hits the market, the Leafs are interested. 
I mean, they now have their for their big centerman. I mean, listen, you, it's great to have a one-two punch. Don't get me wrong. Like Tavares and Matthews would be terrifying to think about. But, you know, I think they also are going to have their own cap trouble. Like Mitch Marner is going to, you know, want some serious money himself. Matthews is going to want some serious money. They've paid Patrick Marlowe a pretty hefty wage for the next two years. Like, I think to make Tavares work, like you probably have to move William Nylander, which I think now, I think they should anyways. I think they should move Nylander for a defenseman because you need that top-tier defenseman. And, like, Nylander's a very good trading piece to try to get that. So if you sign Tavares, trade Nylander for a defenseman, yeah, you have a, like that's a that's a pretty winning setup right there. Absolutely. I also but, heard uh, I also heard L.A. was another big uh, potential yeah. landing spot. For him. <laughs> L.A. and San Jose, I think San Jose is going to make a big push because they're like former big centermen. In in Thor- Joe Thornton is either like done this summer or like will have probably another year left in in the tank. Uh, you know he's had a long illustrious career, so you know I think they're going to look to replace him too, but. It's interesting. We'll see what happens, man. It, it, it could be interesting. Who knows? Maybe the Sharks get Tavares and Kovalchuk and go on a bit of a run with a good passer and a great shooter there. I forgot about I forgot about Kovalchuk. That adds a little bit of flair too. But yeah, that's interesting to me. I think he's he's a pretty interesting free agent in the sense that he's coming back. He wants to return to the NHL. He's thirty five. From all accounts I've read, he still has some good speed in his legs, and you know he still has an absolute cannon of a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing for him is that it's going to be important for him to find a piece where he's not going to any team that doesn't have a great centerman to give to feed him the puck. Like, you know, I could see a San Jose where Couture or Pravelski is feeding him some one-timers and stuff like that. But, and you know, the Rangers I heard were at one point were like the team he wanted to go to. Um, I don't think that's really panned out the same way because I think, you know, they're not in a rebuild, but they're in a bit of a retool as they I call think it. They're gonna, I think they're more so heading... I don't think they're going to be some great team or anything. I think if anything, they're heading downwards um as far as you know being ready to make a, a, a playoff push or a run the cup or anything and i think he i think kovalchuk is definitely i don't think he cares too much about the money i think he's definitely gonna 110 percent will do whatever it takes to just put himself on the best team to win a stanley cup um and i don't think he's gonna have to, he, he's old you know he's older whether he's still got some speed and speed or not whatever that's we'll, we'll see I, I think he does it's obviously why teams are gonna you know um humor him and, and, and talk to him and all that stuff but He's definitely going to go to a place where he can be the guy that people, the team set up, where he can, you know, score some goals and and, and do what he can to help win a win a cup. Agreed, a hundred percent. I think that you know it gets. Uh, he's getting to a point where he's been out of the NHL. He's been in the NHL, so it's getting to a point where, like, yeah, like you said, he. I think yeah, money will be a thing. Like, I I think he'll sign somewhere around four point five to like. Well, he could even go like anywhere from about four point five to like six and a half million. <laughs> on like a short term deal, like yeah, if I, like, I think it'd be like a one let's put or a team over thing. the hump and win the cup. Yeah, I think it'd be like a two year kind of thing is that, that's what I what I see happening. Um, yeah, I think like a, around, I think those numbers are about right for four point five to six point five. I can never see him making more than that because just just giving his age alone. Plus, people haven't seen him play in the NHL in a while, so like there's a couple couple of question marks. But you know, he's still going to be a a, phenom- a a good player, good scorer. He's going to help a team. Yeah, and I, and I think he's a great sign for someone like in LA, like a San Jose that, you know, San Jose is such an interesting team to me because they seem to be a good organization. I think the G at like Wilson as the GM there, you know, another crafty move at the Hoffman flip. He seems like a good GM. They have, you know, they have uh, good goaltending. They have good forwards. Just a team that, I mean, you know, they went to that final against Pittsburgh a couple years ago, but they've just been, per- like, they're now, like, I guess this is actually more of a question, but I think it's a yes. Too, but I'll pose it to you. Is San Jose now officially like the standalone, like 
what Washington's been, like the second best team in the NHL, like a great team for a lot of years, but it's never been able to get it done. No, yeah, they're hundred percent that team. I, I've heard just as well, not quite as many, but I've heard as many jokes about San Jose not being able to get past certain rounds in the playoffs as I do with with Washington. They're, yeah, just same team to, or uh, very similar team, just different conferences for sure. Yeah, agreed. You know, I think them, and then you look at a team like the Blues, who's had a couple big runs that have you know been thwarted and haven't ended up going. But it's very, it's just interesting, interesting to see you know how. That's got to be frustrating, man. That's got to be frustrating to be like a Joe Thornton, to be a guy like a Pavelski that's been there a long time. And you're like, we're doing all the right things. Like, I think they compete. I think they're hard workers. They just guys seem to get by them. I think it's it's tricky. And, you know, they had a couple great years earlier when they had, like, he, that Heatley, Marlowe, Thornton line going. And they've even gotten, like, more diverse in the last couple years. But then somehow still have, like, you know, they went to that final and that's all you can really ask for. The finals usually a toss-up. It's two great teams playing hockey. But <clears throat> very interesting. Just a very interesting group overall. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where those two free agents shake out and the rest of it. Um, going back to Montreal quickly, I, I brought this up just a couple minutes ago. Um, but, yeah, very interesting trade. Uh, Max Domi for Alex Galchenyuk straight up. Um, you know, it's been addressed for a long time. Montreal needs a centerman. So what do they do? They trade Alex Galchenyuk, who was a true winger that they put at center, and they put they trade him for a pure winger in Max Domi. So not really sure about that move. I I, I didn't really understand it too much. Um, I mean, Galchenyuk's a better player in my opinion. Um, I think Domi had like nine goals. I think I'm pretty sure it was nine goals last year, and four of them were empty netters. Yeah, that's um, correct. I mean, yeah, he's on a horrible team, but so it was Galchenyuk. Um, I also have heard that Galchenyuk's off ice antics can be sometimes a question. Um, yes, I, I don't. I, the trade seemed a little pointless. Almost, they're very similar players. Domi adds a little bit more grit. Galchenyuk's more skill. As far as games played and points per game and stuff like that, they're they're not too far off. Galchenyuk puts up more, a few more points, but they both hover around as long as they ever play eighty two games. They both hover around, you know, forty to fifty points. Um, it's just Domi's going to score um, less goals and he's more more of an assist guy, but. Age is very similar. I think Domi's twenty three, Galchenyuk's twenty four, I believe. Um, the, yeah, Galchenyuk might be two years older or something, or a year. Yeah, whatever. he's been on, he's been in the league, I think, for like five years or so, and I think he's got like two or three years on him as far as in the league. But overall age, I think it's only one year. Anyway, um, the, just the the trade seemed, you know, I don't want to say pointless, but. I don't know. Seemed, seemed a little odd. To yeah, me. just an, an odd trade. Um, yeah, listen. I mean, from from a numbers perspective, I think you're going to get more goals out of Alex Galchenyuk, and I think you're going to get more, um, probably more a better playmaker in, in Max Domi. Yeah, and Montreal. he he has a little bit more grit too. He finishes checks, plays hard, and everything like that too. For but. sure. I, I like um, I like the trade for both players. Actually, I think they both needed the change of scenery. Um, I think the Coyotes. I think long term could regret this move. I have heard the same thing about Galchenyuk. Not a huge fan of his. I think he's inconsistent. He seems kind of lazy. I think he's a bit of a meathead too. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. Like he was pulled out of school. I think when he was fourteen or fifteen by his dad just to train for hockey year round. No, like, I, the guy hasn't been to a full blown school. I think since he was like fifteen years old. No, I can I can hundred percent hundred percent see that for sure. So I just think he's a bit of like I don't think he's the brightest bulb in the Christmas tree. Um, so it's like I think it's okay. I think you're gonna get more goals. Um, but like I, I, and I, I, you know, he's from the area, so I've heard about him a lot more growing up, but I, I, I think Max Domi is a, is a stand-up guy. I've heard nothing but good things about him. He is grittier. I think he's going to become a fan favorite in Montreal. 
the way he plays. I think that him and Brennan Gallagher could make a pretty interesting combination on the two on a right and a left wing kind of deal. Both undersized, scrappy players that can put up offensive numbers. So I think that my thing is this: I think that right now, yes, Galchenyuk had the had a bit of a point. Totally, he had more points. He had more goals. I do personally think, and this is just more of a gut feeling. It's not based on that much. It's based on pretty much no stats. But I think that Max Domi has a higher ceiling than Galchenyuk career-wise. I think you could see Max Domi blossom into a stronger player. And I think Galchenyuk, like I feel like Galchenyuk's the type of guy who like he he trains in the summer, but it's kind of like. Yeah, I train just to kind of maintain. I'm not looking to yeah, I, get that much better. I feel like with Galchenyuk, it's again. I don't. I'm not like I don't invest too much time. I don't in know him. the guy. It's just I, more of an assumption. I think. Yeah, I'm making a little bit of assumption too. I, I think he's more of in it for like the Galchenyuk show. Um, I think if you yeah, I don't. Th- I don't see him. And what happens with players like that is if they don't, if they're just maintaining, if they're kind of in it for themselves, like. They could still be average hockey players, but then that then other things come into play, like you said, the lack of consistency. Um, maybe his ceiling could be just as high as Domi, whatever you want to think about that. But if you're just just doing what you can to get by, you might have very high highs, but like some lower lows, and you might not ever reach your full potential. Which to me, I think I see that happen way too much. I just think that's a damn shame. But um, yeah, I, the whole trade itself seemed seemed different in Galchenyuk. I don't. I think yeah, I think you're right about Arizona. Maybe maybe. Um, Maybe regretting this trade in the future, I think. For sure. And, you know, the thing is, too, that, and it's funny because I'm just kind of connecting the dots here going back to what we were speaking about in regards to Alex Ovechkin. And, you know, and like the Caps this year, when you look at it is, the one thing that I would say, and I don't think a lot of guys do this. I don't think a lot of GMs do this because, you know, I think you have to think about it. Like, GMs are trying to secure their job and make moves to make the team better for the next couple of years. But if I was a GM in the league, I have to say this. <coughs> one thing I think that we see every year in the NHL is, or whoever wins the Stanley Cup, it's a lot of glue guys and a lot of depth guys, which Cheddar, I know you know all about, ultimate glue guy. Love, love the glue guy. Didn't know. Love, gotta love the glue Gotta love yourself. Um, so uh, you see it every year. And I have to say, sometimes I don't think when trades are made, it's considered which guy do I think my team will win a Stanley Cup with? What, who's more likely? I got to say, if you look at which, which guy is going to do the extra little bit, the diving for block shots, all this kind of stuff, that like could put together a cup. It's Max Domi. Oh, that would... versus Alex Galchenyuk. No, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Um, so just tricky there. Yeah, I agree with that. Wild. All right. Um, do you want to get into this uh, briefly? This Players Tribune article. Did you have a chance to read it? Um, with you... about Nick Boynton. No, I haven't had a chance to read that. You can kind of you can go off about that. I, yeah, I can just give you like you should yeah give it a read when you have a chance. But um, one thing that I just thought was of note, you know, Nick Boynton, a former NHLer, I believe he played ten or twelve seasons in the NHL. <coughs> the article's pretty wild. He just talks about you know his his uh, his struggles with brain trauma through multiple hits and and tons of concussions he's had and how it led to some drug and alcohol abuse and it's led to a lot of depression in his post uh, playing career. And he essentially, in some way, in a lot of ways, calls up the NHL and says, like, more needs to be done. You know, like, the NHL's in a lawsuit right now where they essentially said CT doesn't have never heard of it. I think some owners have said they've never heard of it. it. It's tough. It's a tough look for the NHL. I think that it's pretty clear that, like, how the game has been played for years has led to guys having pretty traumatic brain injuries that has either cut lives short, you know, in the cases of guys like Steve Monador, Derek Bugard, guys like that, mm-hmm. um, or has caused, like, light, like, guys who have continued to live a lot of, like, you know, long-lasting uh, trauma and, you know, lower qualities of life. So, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, I think it's it's obviously a, it's a multifaceted thing, but I think that <laughs> change needs to be made for the, like, for the game to continue to grow long-term. Yeah, 
there's a couple of ways to look at it. First of all, the game is getting, it's just only getting faster. So these guys are just colliding with each other at just such high speeds. And the game is only getting faster. Like, then now they're saying it like, you got to have speed, you got to have speed, you got to have speed. But then also you add, so that's obviously one major aspect of hockey is it's a very fast game. You know, you're on skates. It's like one of the fastest moving games, um, sports in, in the world. You're on skates, you're on ice, you're flying around hitting each other. So that, that leads to the concussions. But then, like a lot of, I could see a lot of backlash. Well, so, okay, so say they want to like tighten up some rules on concussion protocol, all stuff like that. Players might get judged by other players for, um, you know, having concussions that you know no hockey player ever wants to be taken out of a game. So players might no. not be in favor. I'd say a vast majority of players players might not be in favor of tightening rules um, as far as player safety goes. I, I, I just think it, I just think it's tricky where it's like it's tricky because I, I know what you're saying in terms of that yeah you don't want to take you don't want to limit the game too much and they already have like concussion spotters and you know you no, see yeah. guys getting rattled on the benches and stuff like that. And they get pulled off but at the same they, they time. Get off like yeah they, they get pulled off right. You just don't want to see though I think that I personally think that like Nick Boynton and you know they talk like Dan Carcillo has like been a big supporter of his and like has been a big supporter of talking about this since his good friend Steve Mondor passed away a couple of years ago. But you know I think that it, what I was going to say in regards to that is Nick Boynton's not one out of a million. Like it happens more frequently than we would like. Mark Savard went through it. A lot of guys have gone through it. It's just something that I think that there's a lot of simple ways to eliminate it. Like I know one thing I was listening to another podcast and Ray Ferraro was speaking about um, in international hockey and like in European hockey, any hit to the head, uh, accidental or not, is a two and a ten. No questions asked, no review. If it's it or it's reviewed, it's in the head. You're two and a ten every single time, and like that's a small thing that can corral some things like this. Yeah, that could. No, it definitely could. But then it could come in a situation where you accidentally hit a guy in the head and. It can lead to a lot of controversy, I feel like that, especially in key points of seasons, games, whatever. Yeah, for sure. So, again, it's easy to say, yeah, let's make this, let's let's fix this. You know, we shouldn't have people getting hurt. We shouldn't have people with the long-term trauma. We shouldn't have people, you know, having mental health issues and stuff like that because of a game. Um, but also, it's just as easy as it sounds to do. It's just a lot of people aren't going to want it. It might slow the game down. People might, people, this is just, these are just arguments people could say. Um, 100%. No, no, man. I, you're making good points. I, I think that the tough part, you know, it's interesting. You brought up a good, you brought up an interesting point and a great point in that, you know, what what happens if, for example, an accidental hit to the head, game seven, Stanley Cup final, and a star player is out or a top defenseman's out for 12 minutes and how that impacts what could happen, right? I get that. But <laughs> the tough part is, is that, how businesses are run a lot of the time and how hockey as a business is run is it's based on, okay, like, oh, well, that would really hurt our numbers, our viewership numbers, whatever, short term. Something with this, with head trauma, CT, all that kind of stuff, it's a long-term decision. It's something that you have to look at the long-term ramifications of the league because at the end of the day, you have an ex-NHLer who won a Stanley Cup ring. You should read, read definitely read the article. I won't say too much else about it except this. Two major things that stuck out to me about that article is number one, he said, based on right now, until change is made, I will not let my son play hockey. Wow, that means a lot coming from and my And two, the other, big thing, yeah, the other big thing he said is he goes, I won a Stanley Cup, and he won a Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010. And I remember him, he's like a big like veteran guy on that team. And he said, he goes, I would, get, I would etch my own name off the cup and I'd give my ring back today if I could get rid of all the brain injury and brain trauma I've felt since. So we've talked a lot about this podcast, how you think about how much that means to guys to win. A guy, an ex-NHL, like, tough, hard-nosed defenseman, saying he wouldn't let his kid play and he'd take his own name off the cup. 
like that shows you what he's been through. To say even just the kid alone, because we're, now we're talking family, now we're talking blood. Like, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a dad as Father's Day was just around the corner or just happened. Um, I, you, I feel like as a dad, you want to see your kid succeed in something that you love. So then to just straight up say, yeah. and especially because he played it at the highest level and won the highest honor in the highest level, um, it, that, that, that I think says more than the cup and everything, just not have his kid play. Like that, that it says, is, it says a ton. Yeah, speaks volumes. That is wild. No, I mean, if the kid says, "Hey, Dad, can I play hockey?" Maybe it's different. Maybe he's just not going to introduce him to the sport like that. I don't know. But anyway, just for the just for the fact that he even said that alone, um, that I think speaks volumes to me. As far yeah. as even like etching his name off the cup and everything, but yeah, it's interesting. And you know, Carcelos was saying that Dan Carcelos is a very interesting guy. He, uh, I'd love to have like that would be a great interview to have. I think he'd be interesting to talk about. Funny story actually about Dan Carcelos, just to, to lighten the mood here as we uh, get to the wrap up here uh, before we quickly talk about the draft. But uh, I was training a couple summers ago. Now this is a lot, a lot of summers ago actually. Um, when Chicago won the Stanley Cup in uh, 2010 against, so it was the summer after that. Stanley Cup win. Yep. <laughs> I was working out at a local gym in Toronto, and I, I'm in there, and I'm wearing a 2010 Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks t-shirt that I had gotten from a friend of mine in Chicago that had been sent to me. And I'm working out, and Dan Carcillo, who's currently on the Flyers, is in the gym. And I'm not, like, I'm a kid. I'm, like, at the time, it's 2010. That's, you know, eight years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm, like, 16 years old. now. no. I mean, geez, Younger than that. Math, but... 14 years old. So it's like, whatever. But one of my, the, the guy I was training with, I was training with a personal trainer and he comes up to me and he's like, uh, you know, Carbomb's not too happy with you. And I was like, what? And he points over and I'm like, oh, that's, I'm like, shit, that's Dan Carcillo. And he's like, yeah, he told me, he, he said the gym, uh, like whatever, the guy's trainer, who was training because he wanted to come over there and rip and rip that kid's shirt off of his back. <laughs> oh my god, getting chirped, getting chirped by an NHLer, that's kind of cool. Well, I mean, I was wearing like this, like he got beat in the final by no, the not. team that I, I was wearing. So I get it, like I, but I was like, oh, that's, like, I gotta, I gotta stay away from this guy. That is a, that is a funny story. You should have, you should have went up and uh, tried to ruffle his feathers a little bit, say you could have gotten a fight with uh, an NHLer. Man, I would have, yeah, that, yeah, I was 14 and that guy was, I think right in that prime of just being a nut. Like, I mean, I think he got, he became a more cerebral player. I mean, he was still always a grinder and stuff, but that guy could have killed me. Like, he, man, I remember going to the gym. This guy had like, I walked out of the day, he had like a custom Flyers Camaro. Oh, man. And I'm sitting there with a, with a Blackhawks jersey on, like, so he's, or not jersey, but uh, t shirt. Like, he was bleeding the team. He was bleeding he the team win. colors. Yeah. No, hilarious. Like, he actually won. Like, he won afterwards with Chicago. Yeah. So, that's so it's that's, kind of interesting. Full circle. Life's full circle, you know. But, yeah, he'd be interesting to have on because it would be interesting to see what he said. But, yeah, it's tough. It's a multifaceted issue. I think that definitely <laughs> – or multi-level, I should say, issue. But very interesting. But, uh, yeah. Any, any final thoughts on that? No, I'm all, I'm all good. We can move on if you'd like. All right. Yeah, just to wrap up here quick. Draft is uh, this Friday in Buffalo. It's going to be interesting uh, for sure. Drafts in, no, drafts in, drafts in Dallas. Oh, sorry, Dallas. Combine was in Buffalo. My yes, bad. yes, My yes. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, sorry. drafts in Dallas this Friday. Yes, draft, sorry, but with Buffalo with the first pick. I was thinking Buffalo, Combine, all that stuff. Anyways, Sabres with the first pick. Uh, for the listeners, well, it's all listeners. Chad's wearing a uh, Sabres hat right now. Uh, so, Chad, you got to be pretty excited about uh, Rasmus Dillon. I think he's he's a genera- he could be a generational defenseman here. Um, 
Yeah, I got the old uh, slug logo on this helmet. Unfortunately for the Sabers, one of the uh, one of their uglier logos. I think. See, I I never hated this logo. I I know you hate it. I didn't hate it. Oh, on Buffalo, we uh, a lot of us. It was on the. I remember when it first came out. It was on the news, and even the news anchors were kind of ripping it a little bit. Anyway, it's don't get me wrong. It's it's not as good as their other ones. I just I don't hate it either. Um, and then they had those freaking jerseys with like the blue front and yellow back. They look like glorified. Those were one of the worst glorified jerseys practice jerseys ever. Practice ever. jerseys. Those jerseys were they wore them in games in the NHL. That's beside the point. Rasmus is coming to Buffalo. Unbel- like I, I know it's already happening, but I'm still gonna drop whatever I'm doing on Friday and and just watch him be taken. I, I am absolutely fired up. I don't think we're going to be good. The Sabres aren't going to be good next year, but it's just great to hear and read articles and you just see here, Buffalo, 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 generational talent, generational talent. Like one of the, that's exciting. One of the best defensemen taken um, in the draft and in years and years and years ago. Like it's just very exciting in Buffalo. The hype around Buffalo is great. Um, on that sports talk radio I listen to, they do this daily dose of Darlene on WGR Sports Five Fifty every single. I love that every single day for like forty five minutes. They talk about Darlene. They have um, people that play with them, um, just interviews about them, um, and he, and they keep talking about how how humble how humble he is. Um, he's been living on his own since he was fifteen years old. Um, just a humble player, hard worker. Obviously, very creative. They talk about obviously, you know, you can watch his, his highlights and you can see him, you know, with the with, with the flashy offensive play. But he's he's even good. He can be a stay at home defenseman. Just I'm I'm incredible. I'm incredibly excited that this is happening for for Buffalo. Only our third um, first overall pick, and of course, it comes at an unbelievable time. We need we could use a defenseman. It's just it's just unbelievable. It's it's, yeah, great, kinda, it's great here in Buffalo. It's great. It's great here in Buffalo, and people are excited about it. It's great to see Buffalo have a little bit of positivity, um, especially after such a horrendous season and horrendous, you know, five, six, seven years now. Love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've heard there was a Sportsnet feature, a Sports Canada feature on him, I think, a couple months ago, and like Joel Lundqvist, uh, Henrik Lundqvist's brother, is the captain of Frölunda, where he plays yep. right now in the Swedish Elite League. He spoke volumes about the guys as you know, as the kid, and just talked about like what a mature guy he's, and again about how humble he is. Now it could be a bit of a, and I, you know, not to throw, a, just a bit of a wrench here. I have heard rumors that o, they think that O'Reilly could be moving out, though, and that'd be a tough personal loss for both you and my. I, I'm a big O'Reilly guy. Um, yeah. I hope he doesn't. I think that I think that he could be part of the solution in Buffalo, but I, I you know. Because I've heard rumblings. Because because the say you know I, say, I keep saying it and it's it's not very obvious. Sabers were very very bad last year, and a lot of times there were guys out there. It just looked like it wasn't even an NHL hockey team. It was just no pace, no hustle, and that's what he kind of brings. He bring. I mean, he's not he's not fast by any means. Um, that's kind of half the reason why if we lost him, it's not like. I think the only the, one of the positives about him, if he were to leave, is that he's a huge cap hit. Other than that, I love the guy. I love I love that he's a saber. Um, I think that they, yeah, I know what you're saying relative to what he can do. Yeah, yeah, it's tough because they, they here in Buffalo, the um, Batrol uh, GM and everything they they keep talking about. We have to get younger, or we're already young, but we have to get faster. Have to get faster. Have to get faster. Um, and you could definitely get a lot for O'Reilly. There's been mentioned. Um, there's been talks about him going to Montreal. Whatever we could get for him, I don't know. Because um, obviously, as they're in desperate need of a center, um, but to lose O'Reilly to me would be yeah a little bit of a and you as well, but a little bit of a a personal uh, heartbreak there because because I I love the guy I'm not I'm not say, I'm not sitting here saying he's the greatest player ever, but I just I just love I just love the guy and he brings um, 
some grit and some some professionalism and and all that to a team that really needs it. Confirmed. Uh, Chad thinks O'Reilly is better than Sidney Crosby. <laughs> uh, Chad, Chad facts on the podcast. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, you know what? Excited for the summer. Uh, Trevor, you and I got to talk. We're going to try to get a bit of a summer spectacular here, uh, live, a little, a little live pod in uh, in Buffalo. Hopefully, we'll see what happens next next month and a half potentially. So we got something in the works with the Bison's game, and then a couple episodes, maybe even record two and just see where the night takes us. That could that could work for me. Just get after it as well. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna try to get, make these more frequent, uh, as we said. Like we're gonna try to nail down a schedule. It's just been tricky. Chad, anything you want to say to the uh, listeners before we shut her down here? Um. Thanks for listening, Darlene to Buffalo, and uh, go Bills. Go Bills. I like. I like that. All right. I uh, will see you guys next week.